Well, welcome to episode two of Less Rock, More Talk, a journey into the Billboard mainstream rock charts, uh, presented by the Nick Robes Podcast Network. I'm your host, Connor McGrath. Um, episode two will be coming up, but first we have a word from our, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Squarespace and Blue Chew. And uh, I've been... Uh, I've been out. I've been out after the first episode. I've been getting a lot of feedback from the people. I've been out in the streets of Deering Center, uh, where this podcast is taped, and where Rwanda I live. Bean. Rwanda Bean Coffee House and uh, the Crooked Mile Coffee House, the Quality Shop, Simply Scandinavian, and everybody is trying to talk to me about Blue Chew and how great it is. And it has all the same ingredients of all your major uh, erectile dysfunction pills, like Viagra. And Levitra in chewable form. You can chew it. You know, you've ever been like taking Viagra. I'm like, ah, damn, damn. I just, I just wish I could chew this. I just wish there was some flavor to this, and I could just chew it like it was a piece of gum. Well, that's what Blue Chew is. You can get, you can go on to BlueChew.com. You can talk to a doctor online, get it prescribed online. You don't, you don't have to go to the doctor's office and talk about to him about your limp dick. You can just talk to some anonymous online doctor and get your blue chew. It's it's an erectile dysfunction drug in chewable form, and it's worked wonders for the men men of Deering Center. Apparently, I don't. I just advocate for the product. I've got. I am very erect at all moments, and uh, I just want you to know that I have not personally experienced the wonders of blue chew, but I have. Uh, I was in simply Scandinavian. The other day, I was looking to mail order a Fjord, and uh, some guy came up to me, and he was like, man, I've been pounding my wife so good lately, because I heard you and Nick talk about Blue Chew the other week, and I was like, sir, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, there are children in here, stop, this is not the appropriate time to be talking about Blue Chew. The intro of my ep- of the episodes of my podcast, Blue Chew, uh, is the appropriate time to be talking about Blue Chew, but... Um, if you go to bluechew.com and enter in the promo code Connor and Nick, you'll get absolutely no percentage of off. Uh, but I figure they are going to sponsor this podcast eventually, so I might as well butter up to them now. Whew. All that talk about Blue Chew. <laughs> Getting me excited. But we have a guest today, our very first guest, second episode, but our first guest on the show. But before I introduce... Uh, but before I introduce our guest, let me introduce the, the co-host of this podcast and the founder of the Nick Robes Podcast Network and a man who also hopes to get sponsored by Blue Chew, the man himself, Nick Robes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Connor. Uh, what flavor Blue Chew would you get if you so had to partake in Blue Chew? I would probably get Blue Raspberry. Oh, great choice. That's a great choice. Uh, uh, favorite uh, in uh, boner pills and Skittles. Yep. <laughs> Marvelous. Uh, well, shall you introduce our guest? Yes, um, this next guest is a, a great comedian. We're so honored to have her on here before she leaves this coast. Um, she's been a great uh, integral part of the main comedy scene for the past three years. She's a member of the Portland Comedy Co-op, which uh, I, I run. And uh, most importantly, uh, is a very good friend of mine. Uh, put your hands together. I know there's only... Th- the three of us here, but I'm so used to hosting comedy shows. Put your hands together, everybody, for the hilarious, delightful Allie Simpson. Yay! Thank you for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, I, I, my personal thoughts on Blue Chew. Um, I don't know. I've never tried the product, um, but you know, uh, 
I don't know. If there was I, one part on your body you wish was more erect, mm, wh- which part would it be? Eyebrows. Ooh, okay. You want some prominent eyebrows? Yeah, like, well, if they were more, like, I don't know, they'd be more expressive. I could, like, yeah, or just more intense. Yeah, yeah. All expressions are just whoa, yeah. just yeah. popping. Yeah, I, I. What if it back? What if you got a unibrow out of taking the eyebrow? The eyebrow erection <laughs> drug. The, <laughs> the eyebrow erection. <laughs> eyebrow erection is opening up for war on drugs this weekend. <laughs> eyebrow erection is the name of my new improv troupe. <laughs> yeah, Can I have a suggestion for a spooky place to get an erection? End up with yeah. blue brows. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm forming a. My, I'm gonna hope. I'm gonna hoping not only Blue Chew will sponsor my podcast, but also my new improv troupe. <laughs> I'll, I'll just do erectile dysfunction related <laughs> improv games. Can I have a suggestion for a weird place not to get a boner? <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, so, Connor, what? When are we? When are we in time? Set the stage. Uh, okay, so I forgot we talked about this in the lost episode. Now, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so episode uh, episode two, we're going uh, ten and a half years into the future. Episode one, we started out with the very first Billboard Mainstream Rock charts, March twentieth, nineteen eighty one. Now we're going to September twenty eighth, nineteen ninety one. Uh, big big week in rock and roll history. Um, we're doing this chart because this was the week that Nirvana's Nevermind was released. That's one of the big albums that literally changed the the face of rock and roll. Mm. So we're taking a look at what was on the charts when Nirvana's Nevermind was released. And it's interesting because ne- Nirvana's Nevermind, it wasn't an overnight success story. So, so there's just some songs on this list that will come as a surprise to uh, the uninformed listener. Okay. I mean, we talked about this last time, but I feel like, uh, you know, there is that thing of how the decades, the way we think of the decades seems to be displaced about five years. So when you think of the 80s and you think of, you know, neon and synth and all that kind of stuff, it kind of starts more 85 to 95. Yeah. You know, yep. the 70s, big lapels. There's, there's and... a lot more of a blend than people imagine. Cause, right. Because, you know, the whole usual narrative with Nirvana is like, they just came out and then boom, then it was all plaid forever. You know, like, like <laughs> no. it's like, and, and that's just not how that happens. No, it's there's not the case. Yeah. There's yeah. A, like, you see some of the hair metal guys going up until like the mid 90s and they're still having hits on the mainstream run. The rock stations are still playing them. Yeah. God knows David Coverdale is still touring. Yeah. <laughs> Still wearing a few a uh, few buttons undone on his dress shirt. I'm sure David Coverdale uses Blue Chew. Yeah, uh, yeah, he has he has several just spokesman. Blue Chew pockets in his blouse. Yeah, his little blouse. <laughs> wants, That's a big blouse. Wants to make sure the white snake still slithers. Uh, That's an appropriate uh, pun for white snake. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. They did have a, an album called Slide It In yep. too. So wasn't the next one called Pull It Out? <laughs> <laughs> I think they had two albums in a row. Uh, well, we're not here to talk about White Snake. We're not here. White Snake is not on this week's episode. I'm sure they'll be featured very soon, but uh, there's a lot of bands contemporaries of White Snake on this episode. I did not look up the Bangor Daily News archives to see what was on the front page that of this day, like I did last week. Mm. Um, but I will tell you, uh, Saturday Night Live season 17 premiere that night, Michael Jordan hosted. Wow, that was the Michael Jordan episode. That was a pretty good episode. Nice. That's exciting. He's coming off his uh, first NBA championship. Allie, what's your uh, what's your musical background? 
like pop music i mean uh stylistically what do you listen to do you listen to like top 40 or billboard music rock Uh, music it's a it's a whole mix of things um when i when i was um like when i was a a teenager up until like through most of college i was like classic rock all the time because i thought it was the coolest which made everyone else around me not think i was cool at all (laughs) um but i was you know super into that and and for a while, I went through a phase of just like, um, like I was really into like Dream Theater, that was pretty cool, like kind of like progressive metal and stuff, like uh, King uh, Crimson. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, this was super I mean, Nightwish. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> I was just like, fuck. And then, and then that kind of like, you know, and and otherwise, it's kind of all over the place. But I, I see threads of like, like really, um, kind of like that epic stuff because it's a lot of fun to write to, um, like in really like quiet moments and spaces. It's kind of fun to have that stuff like blasting around, um. For a while, like Guns N' Roses was my favorite band of all time, so it was like my my thing. Um, and nowadays, it's basically just like whatever the cool boys I date are like. You gotta listen to this music. You'll love it because I want you to be like me. And, and here's their pavement. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the and, and actually, Kennedys. usually they have great recommendations. I think I subconsciously meet and talk to people. Ali's boyfriend is Keanu Reeves, yeah. circa 1987. <laughs> yeah. You need to listen to you this music. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> like transform. Wild stallions. <laughs> so, so I think that kind of covers it. Um, I don't know my current current bands. I like I don't know Timber Tamber. I like that kind of like like kind of plotting like kind of music. So yeah, do 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 bands. <laughs> yeah, I like those do 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 bands. Yeah, yeah. those do 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 bands. Yeah, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. I just think of like like your parents listening to them. And those doo doo bands sound like doo doo. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the uh, what is it in Goldfinger where uh, Sean Connery says uh, it's like listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. <laughs> <laughs> Very hip, James Bond, super hip. <laughs> uh, so, 1991, September 28th, big week. So, Nirvana's uh, Nevermind was released. September 24th, 1991. But on September 17th, 1991, the album that I think everybody thought was going to be the crucial, or excuse me, the albums that everybody thought was going to be the crucial releases of 1991 were released on September 17th, 1991. And that's Guns N' Roses follow-ups to their debut album, Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2, released on September 17th, 1991, which will lead into our first honorary mention, debuting on the chart that week was, and actually uh, ties into another thing you just said, it was Guns N' Roses cover of Paul McCartney and Wings' Live and Let Die, debuted on the mainstream rock charts at the number 40 spot. Um, That was the second single off of Use Your Illusion 1. Hmm. Um, Use Your Illusion 1... I think it's the more poppier of the Use Your Illusions. I haven't. Yeah, s- it has more of the like harder stuff on it, or the the more Guns N' Rosesy stuff that people people like. Yeah. Uh, I always think of their cover of um, uh, uh, "Knocking on Heaven's Door," the live thing where uh, Axel famously just goes, "Give us a reggae! Give me some reggae!" There's a and good they one. Do, and they do it. <laughs> and there, there's a great YouTube. They give it to him. There's a great YouTube mega clip of him doing that for an hour. <laughs> Just the clip of Axl Rose saying, "Give me some reggae," and then dancing as Slash and yeah. Duff play a reggae. Uh, great, great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, it's it, one of those bands that's trying to like break out 
and be like, look, we're serious musicians. We have like this breadth of work that we could expose you to. And I just never bought it. Like, I'm not saying that I didn't like their cover of Live and Let Die, but I was always like, oh, you're offering me the same thing and I'm fine with it. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty like kind of just flat kind of cover. And it's, yeah. I do, I do remember there was some interview with Paul McCartney where he was like, like his kids were teens at, at the time <laughs> and they were talking about that song. Like, like it was by guns and roses. And he was super, <laughs> he was like, you know, just like mad in a dad way about it, you know, like feeling pretty old. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was me yeah. and Linda Eastman for yeah. the Bond films. <laughs> George Roger Martin came R- over. Yeah. Roger Morris, just personally. The... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Live, and, Live and Let Die, that's the one with the fat Kodo is the, yeah. the, the bad guy. It's yeah. like the black exploitation James Bond. It's re- it, it is a really great moment in time uh, for James Bond films because they are like that era of Roger Moore is trying to like figure out what the kids are into. So it was like live and let die. And, uh, the man with the golden gun is just a chop sake movie. So it's all like karate stuff. Uh, but live and let die is like this crazy Harlem black exploitation film. And Yafet Koto has one of my favorite lines where, uh, Roger Moore's like, I didn't get your name. And he goes, names of tombstones, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, great movie, great movie. <laughs> and then Moonraker. After that was the Star Wars ripoff. Yup, exactly. Yeah, Star Wars is big. Moon- yeah. Moonraker. Moonraker. Like like, ra- <laughs> like raking leaves, but on the moon. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, the- except for the moon dust instead of grass. And it's just two out, two and a half hours yeah, imagine, of Roger you know, those, Moore. Like little Zen gardens. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's all that comes to mind when I, when I hear that title. Yeah. I'm in space. That's my impression of Roger Moore, and I've never seen Moonrock. I thought he was in. I thought he was in the room. Space. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Second movie, Jaws, as well. Jaws comes back. Famous uh, henchman. (laughs) Right, Richard Keel. Yep. Uh, With uh, the 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 teeth. Anyways, (laughs) weird digression. Uh, honorable mentions. Honorable we're, mentions. We're still in honorable mentions. Yep. Uh, Let's move on to the second one. Another album. Released on September 17th, 1991. I was kind of surprised that it came out on the same day as Use Your Illusion and Use Your Illusion 2. That seems bad timing on its record company's part, since it seems like it would take up uh, a lot of competition. It was Ozzy Osbourne's No More Tears, the hmm. lead-off single off of his 1991 comeback album of the same name. Probably probably his like, second biggest solo album, I would say. Hmm. Kind of one, the kind, the one that established him as an elder statesman. Yeah, what number rock. is this coming in at? Number twenty-seven. So. Okay, all right. I mean, that's that's a great. That's still good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, so by this point, he's he's kind of doing that Aussie thing. It's like post, like. I'm not sounding necessarily like Black Sabbath anymore. I mean, was Zach Wild in the yep, band by that this point? This is okay. Black uh, Zach Wilds. Black Wild. B- Black Wilds. Uh, Zabu. <laughs> Zach Wild's second. Uh, okay. Ozzy Osbourne album. Interesting. So he's comfortable in the band, established. Is Mama on this album? Mama, I'm coming home is on that one too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I played that once at a concert uh, on Mother's Day uh, that my mother did not attend. <laughs> <laughs> Just FYI, I played that. Uh, we we closed out the show with that, and uh, my guitar wants to kill your mama by Frank Zappa. <laughs> Uh, went over uh, not great. 
<laughs> all the moms in the crowd were had their arms folded. Yeah, mostly all the scene kids uh, that were in New Hampshire at the time uh, didn't understand what was going on or why we weren't screaming. <laughs> Nick Lavalley scratched his head. That's inside baseball reference. Yeah, all the scissor fight fans were real confused. <laughs> inside baseball for New Hampshire. Uh, yeah, all right. Use your tears. No more tears. No more tears. Use your illusion. Use your illusion. Well, and then that's the a third honorable mention. The second of three Guns N' Roses songs we'll talk about. November Rain. Guns N' Roses. November Rain was on the chart. It hadn't. It wasn't a single at this point. But since we are in the mainstream rock charts, it doesn't have to be issued as a single to make the charts. Classic classic rock stations had already picked up November Rain. You're like, it's an eight-minute song. I can play this while I take a dump. Um, but I, I would say this is... I, I, I am a big fan, uh, personally, of the Guns N' Roses, like the Use Your Illusion era orchestral epic yeah. ballads. Oh, yeah. I would I say that's probably my favorite Guns N' Roses. We get a little bit of November right. rain right now. We can't play all eight minutes, yeah, eight and a half minutes of it. This is going to be most of the podcast. It's beautiful. And fun fact about this song... Uh, Axel wanted it to be on Appetite for Destruction. Yeah, it was written in like 1985. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote a long time ago, and and the record company was like, no, and you have We're no good. influence here. Yeah, yeah. 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 Luckily, yeah. you do not hold any sway. Yeah. yeah. But but then this. But this he point, did he did. It, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. Eight minute videos for everybody. Oh yeah. My gosh. Okay, well let's skip ahead. Let's get some of the good stuff. Oh my god, it takes so long. And the music video. Oh my god. The whole trilogy. The whole trilogy of music videos with Don't Cry, um, This, and Estranged. Estranged is the best one, but it's never played because it's the longest. Right. But it's got dolphins swimming up the Sunset Strip and like <laughs> Axel jumping off a Navy ship, and it's wonderful. What do you think the budget for that was? I think it. Several million. Those were like the first videos to make like the break like the multi-million dollar budget. I think there'd been a million dollar video before that, but I think yeah, like, like Thriller or something. Yeah, I think was yeah, like, I think Thriller was like, over a million, but okay. like that was just in staffing. Yeah. That was in catering for the staff. Yeah. That was just oh, wow. in zombie makeup. Yeah, right. But this one was like I don't know, like th- probably like three or four million. You gotta get to the chorus. Is that kind of one? got a snake dance to this entire thing. We're all wearing leather pants, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and headbands. Yeah, for the listener. <laughs> I mean, it's a good song. I'm not going to say it's not. That's a great song. Yeah. I, I would say, yeah. I think the video is so wacky. I don't know. It's like, does the wacky video help or hurt the song? But I'm like, ah, it's just a part of it. And she, I think it's like everything from like Slash doing the cliff top solo that they just carted yeah. out there on a cliff. Like just play, just pretend you're playing. The wedding, yeah, the, the wedding. wedding getting ruined by the brides getting struck by lightning, and then some one of the, some idiot at the wedding diving through the wedding cake for no reason to get out of the rain. I kind of wanted that to happen at my wedding. I wanted somebody, at, Nick, at my wedding, yeah. can you like jump dive through, through, the, through dive through the wedding cake? We'll like have some fake rain and like yeah. Nick runs through. Not cake. in the wedding party at all. Yeah, like, that's just anything. just the cake guy. Just gonna jump yeah. through the wedding cake. I uh, I have an acquaintance who uh, his big dream was that at his wedding he wanted to uh, he wanted his wife to walk down the aisle with another dude, and then in like towards the beginning of the middle of the ceremony. Uh, he would swing in 
and have a fight, uh, like a duel with that guy. Yeah. At one, at, which would end with uh, that guy getting knocked into a fountain and pulling a fish out of his pocket, and then he would marry his wife. I want to know what their sex life is like, because <laughs> that sounds... I don't think they need any blue yeah. chew. Everything's, in, everything's involved. <laughs> Let's get the... Can we uh, just wait through the first guitar solo? Okay. It's not especially long, but I uh, Slash claims in his autobiography that he uh, improvised this guitar solo. This is just what he felt like. He didn't write anything. He just improvised. He was feeling the music. Yeah. Okay. I think it's the same for Sweet Child Mine too, kind of. Yeah. Just like play something that sounds like a circus and like something else, and then he did. So. I hope I can see Guns N' Roses. Before they end, that, this uh, this uh, re- uh, researching for this episode has got me hyped up. So I was like, I gotta see oh, Guns N' like Roses. The original lineup, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not. It's it's just Axel, Slash, and Duff. But those are really kind yeah, of like the three. Yeah. With a, the, no disrespect to Stephen Adler if he's listening to the podcast. Or is he Stradland? All right. I mean, yeah, it's a good song. It's a good song for sure. Yeah, the last honorable mention, uh, just missing the chart at number 11. I was surprised this only peaked at number 10 on the mainstream rock charts. It peaked at number 16 on the pop charts, but it was only number 10. It was not a number one song. It made it into the top 10 at some point. It made it snuck into the top 10, but it was 16 on the mainstream chart, the the pop singles chart, which is I thought was kind of surprising. Because it does not seem like I cannot imagine them playing this on a top forty station, but it is like one of the probably the most iconic '90s classic rock song. Off it's the third other eye blind, <laughs> it is the Toadies' Possum Kingdom. No, uh, <laughs> this is probably so. We talked about the two big uh, rock albums of nineteen, two of the big rock albums of nineteen ninety one. Well, really three. No more tears is another big one, but yeah. a fourth album that I would think is probably up in the top two or three. Metallica's The Black Album. Oh, damn. Re- released in August 1991, the month previously. Uh, the debut single off that album, Enter Sandman, came in at a, number 11, September 28th, 1991, on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Charts. And probably the third song I ever learned on guitar. Yeah, and this is a, it's a song that's hard to talk about since it's so so ubiquitous. So it's like, what new do I have to say about Enter Sandman? Yeah, I mean, that prayer is ridiculous. Yeah. Also kind of a ridiculous music video. Not like Enter, uh, not like November Rain level ridiculous, but... yeah. Well, I think it's like the first song that really like launched them into like the popular, Pop, yeah. yeah, like oh, like oh, like they went from just like yeah, like you know, bo sweat rock to like even <laughs> or whatever you want to call it to like oh yeah, this is on the radio now, <laughs> yeah, which is weird, yeah, that they were a huge pop band. Well, they changed their sounds. Yeah, Pretty, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, James Hetfield kind of learned how to sing better uh, or less. Uh, uh, damaging to his voice, and then also they had you know these these uh, more subdued you know it gave them some uh, uh, illusion of having uh, a broad depth of emotion. You know you had like a uh, what was the slow jam on that? Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I yes. love that song. It's I great. Actually, it's a great song. I've thought t- thought about. I've talked about that. Uh, if I ever get married to my girlfriend, I've t- mentioned that. Like that could be our uh, first dance song. And I'm like, I don't know about that, but <laughs> no way. <laughs> Never cared for what they said, <laughs> and I know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, great. Enter Sandman. Yeah, I'm, yeah. En- I'm encouraging all of your wedding planning choices right now. You yeah, can make Nick- a, a Pinterest board of this. <laughs> Nick Rogue's running through a wedding cake. <laughs> Nikalka. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, this this whole show will culminate with the podcast just happening at Connor's wedding, where all yeah. of these yeah. things pay off. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to get uh, if you want to get a Metallica fan genuinely mad, say that um. Not, not in just like a, a trolley way, because they've made a lot worse albums than this, but it, get them like genuinely mad. Say like the Black Album's your favorite Metallica album. They'll be like, Really? Not like Reload? <laughs> well, because Reload, I think they know you're trolling. <laughs> I, well, I think with this one, well, I think it triggers their like, you're not a real fan yeah. thing. Like, and, and it's that's the, a very big deal with like metalhead people. It's the like, basic. You have to like, yeah, yeah, suffer as they have suffered. Cliff! Cliff is the best bass player! And it's like, pump the yeah. brakes, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a Newstead fan or? I mean, no, I only like Danny. Uh, Danny Robert Trujillo. Robert Trujillo. And his crab walk. Yeah, right. Uh, no, I mean, you know, I think I like all the eras of Metallica for what they are. I mean, I don't know. St. Anger. We've had we've had discussions in the past about it. We've talked to I've we've talked uh, in the past about St. Anger, and I don't think. I don't think it'll be. We've yeah, stopped I, talking about Saint Anger, and I don't think that'll ever show up on the rock charts. Uh, Fran, tick, 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 tock. Um, yeah, but I think Anderson Man's a great song. I think. Uh, I think once you start diving into that album more, there are there are. It's an entryway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I had a friend who said, uh, uh, "If you want to get someone into Pink Floyd, you don't play Careful with That Axe, Eugene. You play like Time or you know, uh, uh, Comfortably Numb." Yeah. I think Inner Sandman is that that track. This is what they offer (laughs) at a low introductory price. Accessible, yeah. It's like you don't want to play the stuff that gives you a headache first, but like you love the headache because you love the band, yeah. Yeah, once you get into them, then you're listening to like you know, uh, hit the lights or whatever, uh, anything off of Ride the Lightning, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know. But that uh, uh, what's the first album? uh, Kill 'em all. Kill 'em all. Uh, Motor breath. Is that mm-hmm. one of the? No. What is that? Motors. We're not enough for killing life. Anyways, uh, I'm not looking up the track list for <laughs> Kill 'em all right now. It's <laughs> a hardcore Metallica fans are seething right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Uh, and they love the yeah. Billboard charts. I'm yeah. sure they can, as well. They can feel people being wrong about Metallica like from miles away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody's getting facts yeah. about Metallica wrong right now. I will end you. Uh, yeah. So that ends honorable mentions. That's honorable mentions. Marvelous. Ooh, honorable mentions. I don't know if you, you should do segment music. Sorry, I'm doing production notes right now. And now to the top ten. Oh man, this is what I've been waiting for. We start with number ten. Number ten on the charts is another rock band that had a huge. Uh, 1991 was probably the peak of their relevancy. Okay. Um, based out of Boston, one of the probably one of the biggest bands of this era to come out of Boston. Uh, off of their album, successful album, Porno Graffiti. Okay. It's Gary Sharon. <laughs> Nuno Beckencourt and the rest of Extreme with Wholehearted. And that's H O L E H E A R T E D. Um, it was a huge crossover hit. It was uh, a top five pop hit. It was 
number five on the uh, it was number ten on the mainstream rock charts this week. The follow up to their big ballad, More Than Words. Um, it's a very fun jaunty song. Future singer for Van, Van Halen. Halen. Gary Sharon, Van Halen Mach 3, yeah. future guitarist for Rihanna, Nuno Betancourt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. he, plays, he plays. He's one of those stunt guitarists. Yes. Super group. Yeah. And I would say Extreme is in the top one or two bands that people in guitar shops are like, yeah, yeah, they're actually really good. Like, if you don't like listen to the songs on the radio, them and Mr. Big, I think, are both fans. <laughs> like, people in like music shops are like, no, they're actually really good. Like, don't like to, they like, they sold out, but it was like, God, I hope only just to be with you shows up on one of these charts. All right, here we go. This is whole, this is whole hurting. Yeah, Nuno back yeah. door just shredding on an acoustic guitar. This video for this is a great video. We should add the the video component. <laughs> it's black and white. Gary uh, Gary Sharon's dancing in a, like a, a cut off t shirt in like the Boston Common, and there's like a crowd of people dancing around him. I think Nuno's wearing a Boston Bruins jersey, just really leaning into that yeah. as, as yeah. much as possible. It's funny that you also say Mr. Big because this gives me such Mr. Big yes, vibes. Yes, I get them mixed up a lot. <laughs> Let's get to it. Here we go. Great. The harmony part. I'm going to say that this sounds 90s. This is me. great. Mm. I would say this song. I don't know if it would. It's a bop. It doesn't slap, as my my girlfriend's son would say. I it's I wouldn't say it slaps, but it's definitely a bop. I can bop. Yeah, I mean it's uh, yeah, that's fun. It's a fun song. That's fun. But extreme wholehearted. I, I always like pointing out that's H O L E. Yeah, space hearted. Right. Uh, I, I get it. Fun <laughs> wordplay. Yeah, well, it's word. Well, it is. Word it's word. It is yeah, wordplay. It is I don't word know play. if it's fun. It happened. <laughs> yeah, he did. It. But future uh, Eddie Van Halen was listening to that song on the radio and being like, he's like, get me that guy. Get me that guy. Passing a bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> he might have been sober at the time. Who knows. He goes through so many phases. Uh, there's also a band named Wholehearted. Anyways. <laughs> ba- are they named after this song? It's one word. Uh, oh. Their album, their big album, it appears, was called Hive Mind. Uh, yeah, if we don't need to go into that, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Just have a spinoff. Like their, their whole band is a spinoff off of this uh, top ten. It's the bassist yeah. and drummer for well, I mean, Extreme. That's like a Godsmack, right? That's a that's an Alice in Chains song. Right. And very uh, notably so. Anyways. Uh, number nine? Coming in at number nine. So we're talking about how it, always, it takes a few years for Eris to pass the beginning of this episode. This is a band... An 80s super group that had just recently uh, released an album called Bad English. Bad English was John Waite and Ricky Phillips from the 70s soft rock band The Babies, and Neil Sean and Jonathan Kane from Journey. Ooh. 
plus Dean Castronova, who is not yet the drummer of Journey, but he would join Journey a few years later. Um, they formed a band called Bad English. They had two top five hits with their first album, and they uh, this album was a big flop. And I think it's hilarious the second their second album, and get, considering how it turned out, their second album was called Backlash, right. which is like you're just kind of like in, like inviting a bunch of. Uh, they just leaned into the second album curse. Just yeah. Like, this is going to be bad. Yeah. And uh, the title of the song uh, at number nine is called Straight to Your Heart. Straight Deep. to Your bad Heart English. By and Bad it's, English. It sounds like a song that would have been a big hit in like five years earlier. It would have been a huge hit. Yeah, Even probably been... two years earlier because Bad English's album was like 88 or 89 when it was a hit. They just couldn't get it in. But like 1991, it's like, this sounds like it should be like a TGIF like sitcom theme. <laughs> I love that like Joe Satriani style. Like, yeah, I think we got it. I don't think yeah. we even need to make it to the chorus. I think I understand exactly what this song is trying to do. <laughs> yep. Great. I mean, I would say it sounds uh it's it sounds more modern 80s ish yeah. than like some of the things that we listened to last time. But like, yeah, that sounds like the 80s. 80s, to me. yeah. You know, it sounded that chorus guitar. Uh Neil Sean uh, pioneered some of that shit and he kept doing it. Yeah. Good for him. Uh Allie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> That, yeah, that's it's it sounds like something that would be on an easy listening station, um, I guess, today. And you'd be like, oh, man, this is not what I want to listen to. Uh, <laughs> it sounds very firmly planted in, in the 80s, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, right. It's, it's, very... it's so of its era that it just blends into any, anything unnotable that, that was coming out at the time. Um, even though, yes, they're all great musicians in their own right, it just sort of like melds into something that I don't know. That's that was that's my um that's my hot take on on a song I've never heard before or heard of. So I wonder when the like the threshold was crossed where people were like we need to sound so different from everything else on the radio. You know? I think the threshold it wasn't until like 94 to like 96 range is like Yeah. Even though like grunge was the thing in topping the charts, a lot of the classic rock bands in this era were still like it's worked for us in the past. It'll work yeah. for us again. Well, they but, thought the grunge stuff was a phase, but, but like, even band to band, yeah. it's like yeah. we can sound roughly similar. But like, as long as we have that sound, people like what we're doing, right? You know, and then at some point, there was almost a kind of uh, a change where it's just like we need to sound so different to be popular. Yeah. You know, there's probably just like has coincided over time with just the saturation of being able to record music versus needing like all the stuff behind you to actually record music and get it out there. Like, yeah. Something like that. That's, that's, that's my guess. There's <laughs> more of it. So you gotta, you gotta do stuff. You gotta, I don't know, be Guar or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like do your thing. Guar does not show up on the chart. What? what? I was about to say number eight. <laughs> number eight. Coming in Guar. Yeah. Space cunts. It was a wild time. Fish fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number eight. Number eight. Uh, a little bit different than Guar. Okay. Uh, one of the great vocalists in rock history, Stevie Nicks. Ooh. Like coming that. in with a not one of her best tracks. A song off of uh, called "Sometimes It's a Bitch." Uh, it was the one new track off of her greatest hits album, "Time Space: The Best of Stevie Nicks," which was to commemorate her ten years as a solo artist. Okay. As co-written by John Bon Jovi. 
which is like, Ooh. I was like, this song does not sound very good. And I looked it up. I'm like, oh, John Bon Jovi co-wrote it. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Stevie Nicks was uncomfortable with saying the word bitch. Yeah. Well, it seems like a weird thing to have on your greatest hits. It's kind of a yeah. Song, like a second wave feminism kind yeah. of thing. It's like you don't want to hear it. Like, like the word bitch is just like no go. Yeah. yeah it's like, <laughs> well, but also Stevie Nicks. I mean, that's like, you know, I'm not saying that she necessarily falls purely into easy listening but like i I would assume that she'd want that greatest hits to to have a song yeah to have a wide berth but i think yeah stevie nicks was at kind of somewhat of a career low point here we she had left fleetwood mac the year before which is another thing i was surprised stevie nick was 1990 yeah wow lindsey buckingham left in 87 and then they released an album with uh stevie but not lindsey in 1990 I assumed it was all over long before that. Yeah. I assumed it was over in no, 77. Considering, considering yeah. their dysfunction, it's amazing that they were they lasted over a decade after Rumors. Huh. But, yeah. Stripes, but, yeah. <laughs> but more divorce and sex, maybe. But, yeah, she was uh, hopped up on wine and pills in this era. And so she just has like, all right, Bon Jovi's going to write this song for me. He's out on the charts. Oh, I feel like we're getting to a chorus. Yep. Let's see. We're going to get her, to, get to her saying the B word. I feel like it's like a third-rate Jenny Lewis, like ten years earlier, or like whatever, like what seven years before Rilo Kylie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm I'm shocked that it made it to the uh, the charts, or even the also the rock charts. It seems weird. Yeah. Now a lot of these songs don't really rock that hard. I mean, obviously you have Metallica and Guns N' Roses and stuff, but yeah, like stuff like this. But and those were honorary mentions. Whole heart, Actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. Straight to Your Heart is the only rock song we've had on the top ten so far. I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number seven. Number seven, the second single off of Van Halen's "For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge." Man, okay. Top of the world. I would say I kind of am an apologist of Sammy Hagar era Van Halen, but sure. I would say the '90s is when they kind of were like. Very corporate sounding. Like it might as well have been Boston. It didn't have any of the. Yeah, it it lacked a lot of the edge. Yeah, of like uh, very toothless. Yeah, I mean by this point. Yeah, which fine. You yeah, know, they were doing uh, they were doing something different. I get it. Yeah, but it's like the most edgy thing about this album is the album title. Right. For unlawful carnal knowledge, that's like the most badass album title for a very unbadass. Isn't that Van what fifty one fifty is? Yep. Right, fifty one fifty. Yeah, all the Sammy Hagar ones. getting arrested for unlawful. Mental, yeah, that's fifty one fifty is uh, getting uh, uh, institutionalized against your will. Oh, okay, okay. Right. You're getting fifty one fiftyed. That's like some Cal. I think it's California code where like he's, your relatives can request a fifty one fifty on you. Holy shit! All the songs on this album are long as hell. <laughs> yeah, so he, there are like so many songs over six minutes so on I, this I album. Did, I do want to talk about this during this episode, and now is a good segue. Is this nineteen ninety one? Is the beginning of the CD era? So a lot of mm. bands, not just rock bands, but uh, pop bands, Michael Jackson's Dangerous as well. They thought, well, now instead of having like 40 minutes for a space for an album, we have 90 minutes. So let's fill that space. So I think like 91, like 90 to 93, the early 90s, I think people made like unnecessarily long albums just because they had the capability to do so. And I find this even 
it makes it even more hilarious that Guns N' Roses needed two albums, like two CDs. <laughs> like, we want two Yeah. CDs. In the era when people were making the longest C- CDs, Guns N' Roses were like, we're going to make two of them. That's wild. But uh, maybe this, uh, the thing with Van Halen, maybe it was a, a precursor to like... Um, like when when bands like kind of like Aerosmith like they had they had that stretch of time where they become kind of corporate and clean up their image and kind of get more sober than usual. And, and I then don't want to miss yeah, a thing. The, yeah, and they do. I think I feel like Aerosmith came out with like that was b- before that before their Armageddon track, but like they had like several songs that kind of went that direction. Yeah, get well. a the whole get a grip era. Yeah. 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 Crying, amazing. Do we ever say what song it was off of Unlawful? Crime? Top of the world. Top of the world. I thought you were saying that they were top of the world. No, that's the name of the song. (laughs) But Van Halen was also. I mean, yeah. They were still, you know. Yeah, they were. They sold more records with Sammy Hagar than David Lee Roth. Did they really? I think so, yeah. They definitely had more, like, pop hits. But it's like, I mean, it still still sounds sounds like Van Halen. Yeah, and the guitar, you know. And drums. Yeah, and the the bass player. The Van Halens. Yeah. And Sammy Hay, I like I like Sammy Hagar. His solo stuff is good and it's badass. But and Van Halen with Dave Lee Roth is badass. But somehow when they got together, it seems like they kind of like blunted each other's edges. Yeah, that's I think that's the thing that really gets me. There, there's something so like unpredictable about yeah. David Lee Roth and his songs, where yeah. you know it's not a song ever. Like yeah. it's just him sort of spouting random shit, and somehow that that with like the spastic guitar. So uh, yeah, but I mean, fine. Yeah, I might listen to this album later. I'll be honest. It's yeah, no, actually, this is pretty good. I was kind of, but the Pound Cake is good. That's on that. Yeah, there are a lot of titles on this that I'm uh, a little bit. Uh, uh, there is Pleasure Dome, Spanked, uh, In and Out, <laughs> uh, Great Pound Cake, and then there's just these, Judgment Day. These all sound like great names for vans to shag, like sh- shag wagon vans. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and Right Now was on that album too. That was the big hit off of that. Yeah, three sixteen. <laughs> The Is shortest it? song. Yep, it's at a minute and twenty eight. Radio hit. Yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll discuss that one on a future episode at some point. Perfect. Number six. Number six. Uh, the recently deceased Eddie Money as another person that you didn't expect to see in a 1991 chart, uh, but it was a song off of his last major release. Huh. Uh, the song is called "Heaven in the Backseat." I feel like no, you could never shock me with an Eddie Money song. Like they all sound like an Eddie Money song. Two yeah. tickets to paradise, uh, uh, heaven in the backseat. Uh, it's just fire and water. Great, great. I'm just gonna see what happens if I skip ahead on this one. Let's just see. Let's, here's a little taste. So. Changed a little bit. A little bit. So I, I do want to mention that uh, it's produced by, you can just heard him there, Mutt Lang, the producer of Def Leppard's uh, Pyromania and Hysteria. Okay. And you can hear uh, Mutt Lang's backup vocals. Yeah. Just right here. So it's like the Def, Def Leppard backup vocals. This song yeah. basically kind of sounds like like Mutt Lang was like, hey, Def Leppard, do you want this song? And they're like, no. And I was like, all right, Eddie Money, do you like... It seems like Eddie Money taking over Def Leppard's... Yeah. yeah. Uh, Def Leppard's leftovers. It's funny, because I think of Eddie Money, even though he was like, you know, hair rocky to a certain extent, I always think of him as more like... 
uh, uh, dad rock, not yeah. dad rock, yeah. but like uh, I it, think of them more like like parents' music. I don't yeah. know, like but but not like music that parents like rocked out to when they were young, really. But just like music of that all parents everywhere. Like, yeah, I don't know the I more accessible know. meatloaf or something. Yeah. yeah, like the more like a blue collared like meatloaf, like yeah. meatloaf, like, like a more it's relatable. Always been music for older people, um, no matter what, like like Billy Joel or something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So if you want yeah. something that's like. A little bit tougher than Billy Joel, but not quite as eccentric as Meatloaf. You get Eddie Money. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) And yeah, this was his last uh, hurrah. He did this album and then got released from his his, uh, record label. Not long after, Mm. and then he left to pursue his uh, his ultimate career destiny of closing out every uh, state fair and casino ballroom across the country. (laughs) They all, yeah, they all were very sad a couple weeks ago. Every state fair worker was like, I remember the time that Eddie Money gave me $3. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's like, Eddie Money's like, hey, kid, go buy yourself something. And just hands him $3. And he's like, very specific amount. (laughs) That'll get you two tickets. Yeah, but like, good on his namesake, you know? (laughs) He's always giving out money. Yeah, it's his thing. Not very much, but. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Much like his career. Uh,. Uh, well, you know what this brings us to? The top five. Top, top five. five. <laughs> uh, number five, another artist of the 80s, Dire Straits. Nice. The UK's Dire Straits off of their last album on every street, a song called Calling Elvis. Oh, I love this song. Uh, in fact, I'm not going to play the normal version. I will play a live. Uh, no, I'm pl- I'll play the regular version. Uh, this is a great song. I think uh, there's a live version of this that totally kicks, but it is everything you want from Dire Straits. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's big, it's uh, get lots of guitar, and uh, it's just got everything you want of uh, Mark Knopfler. Just like, I'm calling it a little. <laughs> Also, it's shocking to me that they're British. When I first found that out, I was like, what? They're very, uh, yeah. Because they're so Americana sounding. Yeah. Right? Weird synth of the 80s right there. Yeah. This is a long song, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, uh, over six minutes again. Wow. So. It just kicks like that for a while. Uh, but that's a that's a great song. I've always liked that one. Uh, great. Any Dire Straits fans in the house? They're <laughs> not my favorite. I get it. I get it. I like I like so I like a lot some of their songs, but this one. I will say it's weird to think of that as on the rock charts, but I get it. Again, it's not a very rock. It's like a, I don't know, like WCLZ probably wasn't around there, but like an adult, like like a hip adult channel. Yeah, like even Money for Nothing, which is maybe their most rocking song, is still it, like you know, it just like everything stops and you just get that guitar going like. It's still like oh yeah, nobody's like. Song, so shows what I know. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. that's 
Yeah, I guess it's it's kind of like following a theme of all of these um, in the top ten so far. Of like, it's like, oh, this is weird company for for the number one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, the the eighties like rock and roll is almost like fizzling out into it adult seems, contemporary. Yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking this period from like nineteen eighty seven to like ninety two is like rock and roll's like midlife crisis. Yeah, yeah. All these rock stars are aging, and it's like, well, what do I talk about now? Like, I'm no longer like right, laid. and you have. You don't get like, yeah, sing about Elvis. Yeah, (laughs) calling Elvis. Who's been dead for 14 years at this point? Yeah, I mean, they were singing about jazz bands early on, so like they weren't always the. There was a couple years behind, but like besides Guns N' Roses at this point, it was like there were no like real, and I guess Extreme and Metallica too. It's like there's not a lot of contemporaries to like replace the classic rock. The the, like power vacuum. Yeah. 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 So you have a lot of stuff, you know, like this. Number four? Number four. The third and final song from Guns N' Roses from this week. Also off Use Your Illusion 1. The first single off Use Your Illusion 1, Don't Cry, featuring guest vocals from Shannon Hoon. Really? Who, who, who uh, would become the vocalist for Blind Melon. He may have been the vocalist at this point, but Blind Melon had not had their first album. Yeah, uh, whatever hadn't come out yet. Uh no rain. No rain hadn't come out yet, but he was, was that him uh, talking uh, about November rain? Was he like no yeah. rain? Yeah, just one part of that. We'll just, I'll just was... take the November off. Like <laughs> that was actually that. the answer song to November rain. He's like you know, nah. Very well. I mean, because like uh, they, like Shanahoon and Axl Rose were bros, and they both like grew up in like the shitty part of well, all of, I was gonna say the shitty part of Indiana, but, but they're all kind of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like uh, yeah, but I'm sure that was kind of a natural collaboration. Make sure it's the uh, use your illusion one oh, yeah. one because they, they have one on original. use your illusion two yep. yeah, yeah. yeah they're like we need another don't cry yeah so they have a don't cry on use your illusion two which is completely different lyrics in a slightly different tempo yeah. ridiculous like snake dancing I think Shannon Hoon's actually da- singing the high part all I can say this is another great song. Yeah, right. <laughs> Something is changing inside you, and don't you know? Axel has a bandana. Shannon has that giant mushroom hat. <laughs> I feel like Guns N' Roses was writing a lot of like, uh, uh, like, Music to like soothe themselves, be like, "Hey, everything's gonna be all right." <laughs> but it turns out, as we know now, it was not all right. Careening right. <laughs> <laughs> off a cliff. Yeah. Oh boy. Guns Much like roses. I think Axl Rose does in one of those videos. I feel like he drives his car off the cliff. <laughs> yeah. And I think in a strange. Like yeah, like a jumping suicidal imagery. In those- <laughs> oh, and then going coma is like the closeout song for Use the Illusion One, which is all about killing yourself for about ten minutes. <laughs> so Great. yeah, it's a it's a roller coaster. <laughs> Emotional roller coaster. I feel like, you know, you know, millennials talk about wanting to die a lot, but Generation X were the OGs oh, of wanting to die all the time. Yeah, ennui and 
lack of a zest. Gen, gen, Generation X would be the word. Generation X. Not I think I might have said Generation Z erroneously, but Generation X. They were the OGs of wanting to die, and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. They put uh, their they put their money where their mouth is, and a lot of props. Yeah, yeah. It was picking up from like seventies punk nihilism, yeah. uh, but like put, turning it uh, in, inwards instead of like we're angry at society. It's like I'm angry at myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such an asshole. Which is, I think, also a very millennial sentiment, you know, it's sort of, uh, it's like, yeah, you hate it's, yourself. Yeah. It's even more now hating yourself, uh, but it's hating yourself so that you can go to therapy and love yourself again. Oh, yes. And there's <laughs> a journey involved rather than just yeah, you know, yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's no point. Uh, there is a point. Uh, number three? Number three. This is an iconic act. Ooh. I say that a lot, there, but there are a lot of iconic acts on this. Yeah. Uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Great. A song called Out in the Cold off of Into the Great Wide Open. Uh, hmm. It's a good song. I hadn't heard I hadn't heard it in a while, but uh not one of his bigger hits, but I thought it was very, you know. I it's I it's it's like pizza. Even a bad Tom Petty song is like still like, yeah, no, I can, oh. it's still pretty good. That that's that's a great way to describe Tom Petty songs. Yeah. I feel like Tom Petty is one of those acts that regardless of aging and, and you know, Doing, doing their thing over and over again. He's always stayed like pretty fresh. Yeah. Like, not, yeah. Like, like I, it's like okay, it's pizza, you know. And I think that's one of the reasons why he was able to still be so successful in the '90s, whereas a lot of his peers kind of fell by the wayside, is because he never stopped being who he was. He's just yeah. a genuine, humble dude, and he never really tinkered with his sound too much. I mean, he did slight deviations, but he never, yeah. you know, yeah. had a Mutt Lang, Mutt Lang or John Bon Jovi write a song for him or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, like, right. He scrambled to be relevant, but at yeah. the same time, he never went, like, the ACDC route and is like, I'm still putting on my schoolboy pants and, uh, you know, running around. He just kind of, like, yeah. gradually evolved a little. I mean, almost like a, a more subtle David Bowie to a certain extent of, like, hey, I've just always been doing my thing. Yeah. It's just kind of, this is my evolution. Uh, David Bowie was on this chart, too, with his uh, alt rock band Tin Machine, I didn't mention them, but yeah, Tin Audible Machine message. had a song huh. on this this week. Good for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right, Tom Petty, forget it. Kind of surprised this is so high, but it's a good song. Yeah, into it. Uh, well, now we're really getting into it, which we'll see if number one is as shocking as it was last time. But I think number one will shock you. Okay, uh, but well, no- as I said, it's somebody that was on the charts last week. Oh, all right, okay. Um, but number two is another guy that he wasn't on the charts last week, but I think he was around in 1981. Another 80s artist that kind of peaked in relevance in the early 90s, Brian Adams. Okay. Can't stop this thing we started. Also produced by Mutt Lang. We'll hear Mutt Lang's horsey background vocals on this song. It's off of his uh, album Waking Up the Neighbors. That was his big, like, I don't know, it's in all of your mom's. Records collection. Also, I should point out that Neighbors is spelled N-E-I-G-H-B-O-U-R-S, the Canadian way of Neighbors. Somewhat British. (laughs) This was also number two on the pop charts, and I don't think I've heard this before. I think it's a song that was probably played on the radio a lot in 1991, then just never never played again. It's like, all right, yeah, we don't need that again. Song is a number two. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going? Let's I get to Simon Cowell's podcast right now. <laughs> this feels like a pre chorus to me. There's Mount Lang. Yeah. 
Again, it sounds like an ABC sitcom. Theme. Yeah, there was also like a there was like a whole generation of like neutered uh, Bruce Springsteens. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this song is like, oh, is this Bad Rod Stewart or it's yeah. not? I was like, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I I okay. <laughs> it's interesting how often it's of its era. How often these uh, uh, these song these songs that are in the top ones haven't had staying power, but the lower ones do. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... like, oh, well, not exactly that. I've listened to a lot of extreme, uh, but you know, Van Halen or something like that. Yeah, it's still extreme, wholehearted. You'll still hear it on the radio occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Adams, go fuck yourself. <laughs> No, uh, that is not the views of this podcast or Conor McGrath. Uh, so and we go from one Canadian uh, to another. So both top two acts are Canadian. Is it Loverboy? <laughs> Coming in at number one. No, uh, it's, unfortunately, it's not Loverboy. Canadian power trio Rush <laughs> with uh, Dreamline, which is the lead off single off their album Roll the Bones. Okay. Dreamline's one word. Dream. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, I was very. I was like, Rush, number one in 1991, but this was actually their most successful album since 1981. Ooh, not a lot changed. (laughs) No, again, like Tom Petty, they just kind of like kept their. Allie, this kind of pops into your. This this is like tangential to your uh, wheelhouse of prog rock. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to find moving pictures. Be honest, I don't know this song that well, but I like it. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. But Roll the Bones, it did have some kind of hints towards uh, trying to maintain like 90s relevancy. There was a rap. Oh, no. On the title track of Roll the Bones. Okay. Um, they uh, they originally, uh, they were like thinking about asking Chuck D to do it, but uh, they were like, nah, let's just have like one of the members, that, like one of the members, I think Getty Lee or uh, Alex Lifeson did it with like a vocal effect. Great. Uh, okay. Man, <laughs> That's like, fun. We had a good idea. Yeah. Now we're just going to... Yeah, turn it into a bad idea. <laughs> they were like, let's get Chuck D. And then the, they were like, uh. <laughs> They're like, Chuck D's a little, he's a little too aggressive for us. Yeah. <laughs> Still kind of like that epic. Great. Dream theater, whatever. You know, like that, like, we're talking about dreams and illusions in your mind. There's a very dumb lyric in the chorus for that song. Really? Where it says, uh, we're only immortal for a s- small time. <laughs> and I was just like, ugh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just trying way too hard to be poignant. Uh, there, the, Apparently there was a tour, uh, the Darkness did a tour called uh, One Way Ticket to Hell and Back. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I love the darkness. Oh man, the nice shit came they out. knew what they were doing. They were doing. Yeah, that, was, that was like a troll band that I yeah. appreciated yeah. so much. Like, <laughs> uh, the yeah. best cock rock making fun of cock rock. Yeah, it's the absolutely. best. Uh, well, this of course brings us to the most important segment: the final five. Connor's top five. My personal top five. I think it was an easy one this week. Okay. 
Um, I will say I like Extremes Wholehearted. That's a hot take. I'm going to put that on my top five. Okay. I'll put the Tom Petty song. I like the Tom Petty song a lot. Okay. I get that. And I'm just going to put the Three Guns and Roses. <laughs> All three of them? All, uh, actually, no, wait. I may leave off their cover of Live and Let Die. Okay. Let's leave off their cover of Live and Let Die. All right. I get it. So, um, wholehearted, Out in the Cold. Out in the Cold. Two Guns and Roses. I'll put, uh, let's see, what else will I put in instead of a third Guns I mean, and November Roses? November Rain. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah that's I'll put the Rush song in. Okay. November Rain, Dreamline. Dreamline, uh, Wholehearted, and uh, Don't Cry. But I would say November Don't Rain's cry. definitely my number one Okay, of this chart. All right. Uh, 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 Allie, any, uh, any standouts for you? Um, I have, I, I would say, I mean, yeah, obviously the two of the three Guns N' Roses songs, because they're just great. They're just awesome. They're great. Um, and yeah, Tom Petty just doing his thing forever, and and the Rush song for sure. Those are those those would be. It's it's pretty much the same as Connor, though. If I had to pick like a, a fifth one, uh, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, like Dire Straits, they're they're pretty fun. So I I would I'd throw them nice. on the on, as a fifth. I like it. Yeah, objectively, Metallica's Enter the Sandman's in there, but it's like, I've heard that song so yeah, it's like it's just so over, it, it yeah. overplayed, even as far as some of these go. Yeah. Just, like, I can't listen to that ever again. Yeah, you know? it's uh, uh, Stairway to Heaven playing in a uh, guitar store is Enter Sandman playing on the radio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I get it. All right. Well, we made it through episode two. September 28th, 1991. Thanks to Blue Chew for sponsoring us <laughs> and Squarespace and the Nick Groves Podcast Network. Uh, join us for the next episode. Uh, episode three, What what is it? Uh, do you know what? Yes. The, uh... Uh, episode three is all the playlists and the charts are stored. We're going to invite our good friend Krista Rollins to the show. And we're going to be counting down in tribute to Rick Ocasek. So kind of a spoiler. Mm. April 12th, 1984. And that was the first time the Cars topped the mainstream ch- rock charts. Mm. Remember, the mainstream rock charts didn't start till 1981, so that was halfway through the Cars run. So wow, you'd think like it, 84 was a little bit late, yeah. but I feel like for some odd reason I was thinking about this earlier today, and like 1986 is going to be my wheelhouse. Yeah, I don't know why. No, this chart is uh, it's incredible. Um, and there's so many classic songs that are going to be on this next episode. I'm stoked. I'm, exci- I'm excited for it. It's just so many like classic rock standards, so it's a good. It's a really good one. Perfect. Uh, well, uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening. Rock Thanks. on. Rock on.